HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. I'm Mike Calameco from Food Talk. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Gunnar Carl, who is going to pronounce his last name for us. <laughs> it's Gislason. You know, I thought I was going to have a chance because I was such a fan of, you know, late 80s, early 90s world's strongest man. Oh, yeah. So John Paul Sigmundson. Exactly. You know, Magnus Ver Magnuson. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I have those, you know, Icelandic you names, names down. I think I can do yours and could not. <laughs> Which always surprised me because I, I find it so easy to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Gunnar Karl Gislason. Yeah. Well, I'm going to listen to this episode over and over yeah, yeah, yeah. and get that Until you get just it. right. Yeah. Those world's strongest men. They're Vikings. They're, they're very large, broad-shouldered, big-armed men. Yeah. As are you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go so far. But it, it, it must be the... It must be the um, the uh, the country, yeah. The um, all the um, all the skir that we are eating and etc. It's like they have so much proteins, they just go big. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, Iceland was founded uh, or has a community of Vikings going back as far as what the ninth century. Yep. So, um, yep. So that's, that's that must be uh, the uh, the thing yeah. about those guys, um, and we still uh, we still have a lot of, I mean. Jon Poutland, uh, Magnus, that, those are some old legends, but um, we still have some uh, young ones coming up. Huge guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said protein, and obviously you need that to, to grow into a world's strongest man. And you also mentioned skyr, uh, yeah. S-K-Y-R. Excellent. Which is an amazing yogurt 
Oh yeah, definitely. Kind of equivalent, uh, uh, at least texturally, to Greek yogurt or strained yogurt as we see here, but it, it's made in a completely different way. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you would you could go so far to say that skir was somewhere between a um, a cheese and a yogurt actually, because it's it's made with <clears throat> it's made with uh, live bacteria, or a, like the traditional way is to make it with live bacteria. So it's a it's a, it's a skimmed milk. And back in the days, they would um, actually just take the skimmed milk and take it outside, get all the bacteria from the air to uh, set into the milk. Um, yeah, and that that was it. And then you have, then you have, if you wait a little bit, you will have the skir. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure, like back in the days, they didn't have that smooth texture as we have today. Uh, we have we have uh, added something and, and made the. Um, the uh, made the um, what do you call it, uh, the process a little bit better, but it's um, they're still making it pretty much uh, the same thing with the with the live bacteria and etc. I mean, you also mentioned open air, and that's such an important thing in Iceland itself. Aside from oh, being, yeah. you know, refreshing and rejuvenating, exactly. uh, a lot of food uses open air. Kind of uh, what is that called? The hardfisker. Yeah, hardfisker. So that's like that's one of um, one of the other. Ingredients that I use a lot at the restaurant. Um, so the the restaurant was um, op- we opened up the restaurant like um, five and a half years ago, uh, <clears throat> and um, and I had like this big plans of making a Nordic restaurant. I wanted to like get uh, ingredients from all the Nordic countries and try to use like a lot of Nordic uh, ingredients. Uh, then something happened. Um, uh, the the crisis came, and it came pretty hard actually. The crisis being the banking collapse in yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like um, it was a, it was a big collapse, and um, and um, everything pretty much went to hell. Um, so um, I had I had just uh, left my job, and um, and um, I was waiting for like you know everything to get together with the restaurant and. We had some um, we had some um, investors and etc. and uh, and uh, the day after the 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 bank collapse, we um, I was supposed to meet with the um, the investors, but they all jumped off. So um, so so I was I was pretty much there alone uh, with my with my co-owner at the time, Olaver, and we were just looking at each other and thinking just like. Oh my God! Should we go back to our old job and ask for our, our jobs <laughs> back? But um, but I mean, we decided that um, this was this this would be something that we would like regret if we wouldn't do it. So we did, and um, but we had to like go really hard to plan B or, or C even um, opening it up for as little money as we could and um, and like using our visa cards until they will be glowing. Uh, but we managed to open up. Uh, but, but what happened as well is that everything that you were importing got extremely expensive. So, like importing, let's say, scallops from Norway, was not really a good idea. And I mean, I can, and I can see it now. It maybe from from day one, it was a stupid idea. But so what we did was um, we started focusing on Icelandic ingredients because we could get them for a, a reasonable price. So we started using them more and more, uh, but then, then like uh, after a couple of months, 
I, I, I had to start seeking for some more and some new ingredients. And when I say new ingredients, it actually happened to be the old ingredients. Because I founded things like Harfuskur. And I started thinking, okay, this is it's a fantastic... Um, they make it, how they make it is a fantastic thing. So I really want to use this, but but as well, it's, it was really hard to use it because, I mean, it's it's quite unique and it was really hard to find a way how I could take that ingredient uh, pretty much made them exactly the same way as the Vikings did back in the days and how I could get that into, you know, a um, fine-tending restaurant. Uh, and to make it modern and etc. Well, I mean, is is Reykjavik where Dill Restaurant is located? Is it a modern yeah. city? Yeah, I would go so far to say it's really modern, and um, and people there are very, they are very um, uh, busy making it modern. Yeah. Now. No, but so um, <clears throat> I found um, I found a way to use it, and um, and I I absolutely love it. In Iceland, in general, usually people just. Uh, Eat the fish with butter, but um, we have we have found some uh, some good ways. So the traditional way to to make that dried fish is to um, they will just take um, you know it, it can pretty much be whatever fish you have I guess. Um, mostly they make it with uh, haddock and uh, catfish, and I I pretty much only use uh, catfish actually. I just prefer prefer the the, the flavor of that fish, and uh, they lightly salt it. And then they hang it out to dry, and they will have to find um, a space like close to the sea, and as windy as possible. They can only during they can only do it during the winter time. So the temperature has to be um, minus something, like below zero, and it takes one to two months, and it's absolutely delicious. You know, you think of seasonal ingredients, and you don't always think of a process as a seasonal thing as well. But to only be able to do it with that salt air, yeah. you know, during a specific time of the year. Exactly. I mean, you only have that available to you for that short period of time, too. But I guess it's a preservation method. You, it's, you... it's a preservation method. So, like, uh, after after they dry it, I mean, I can I can store it for a long time. Well, you know, you, you're here uh, um, because of the wonderful release of North, your first cookbook with... The lovely Jody Eddy, photographed by Evan Sung. Sung, You know, it's about new Nordic cuisine in Iceland. And you mentioned that old is new again. And what's wonderful about the book is as much as it is about your food, it's about your purveyors. It's about the people that during the financial crisis, you trying to open up a restaurant um, said, we'll help you, you know, and, and we'll give you what you need and we'll highly discount if not you know, for free to to be able to allow this culinary culture to evolve in Iceland. So yeah. I kind of want to like talk about all all those specific ingredients and the people behind them because you know you are their champion. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I just um, I had this I had this uh, dream of making a, a cookbook for a long time, and um, but I never actually knew like um, what kind of book it should be. Because I, the only thing I was very sure about that I, I I didn't want to like do a recipe book. I wanted to do something more than that. And um, <clears throat> after I started um, uh, after I started my relationship, so to speak, with all those uh, good people, 
I found out as well that um, that they were they were like kind of I mean I wouldn't go so far to say the the last of their kind but but it's like I found out that some of those methods were dying out slowly and so I've, I really just wanted to do something to uh, embrace those traditions and um, and uh, try to do something um, good as well for those uh, good people that helped me when I was opening up the restaurant. I mean, you could talk about the delicious aspect of bacalao, salt cod, the salted cod, tartare <clears throat> with dill mayonnaise and dulse powder, yeah. poached cod cheeks with roasted corn uh, cod soup, potatoes and charred onions, or you could talk about Elvar. Yeah. I mean, Elvar is definitely one of them, and uh, he has helped me a lot uh, through the years. Um, <clears throat> so he is one of one of few um, left that is still making um, uh, the salted cod like the traditional way. Uh, I mean, you go to a lot of restaurants today, and you'll get something called bacalao, and it's um, it's something that they got like fresh cut in yesterday, and they are serving it as a bacalao the day after. Um, the one that I am using from Elvar, it takes almost a year to make. So he will he will salt it for around nine months. So so you can see like when it actually comes to to the restaurant, it's probably about one year old. So it's I mean it's um, it's obviously a longer way and uh, more expensive and etc. But it's it's the right way and it's the good way. And there is nothing there is nothing you can't compare the flavors of of a cod that you have salted for a day or the one that you have salted for nine months. It's just not the same. And, and with this long-term preservation method, I still love that you can serve it so fresh as a tartare. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's um, it has definitely... It definitely takes a whole lot of flavors uh, to the fish uh, that it had have been salted and stored for nine months. So it's like, um, yeah, it's it's like, it's just, I mean, and the salt obviously take the, the water out of the fish. Um, the flavors will come really like, like, what do you call it? Like um, Pronounced up front. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like compact. Yeah. It's, it's really, really nice. Parsnip Three Ways with Arctic Charo is actually the cover shot of this book. Oh, yeah. But again, the, the backstory behind that is, you know, a wonderful Arctic Char smoker named... Gilfin. Gilvin. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but on top of that, you know, what's wonderful about all these purveyors is that you also specify where they are in Iceland. So yep. if one, or, you know, one person ever wanted to visit there, they could actually see these regional ingredients oh, of yeah. Iceland that's as well. Only, so talk only. to me about the lake that the Arctic char smoker is on. So um, Gilvin, he, he lives in uh, Mivasvet, Um uh, right uh, next to uh, Lake Mivat, where he actually gets his uh, char. But he, uh, he smokes more things than, uh, than uh, char. He smokes uh, lamb as well. Uh, so the whole, the whole thing about his smoking is that, um, that he's not really... He's not, but what people are probably um, picturing would be some um, birch, birch tree or pine tree or something that would be used to smoke with, but... Um, but he actually uses uh, his lamb shit, so it's um, it's a really really old tradition. Uh, probably it didn't start because, like, 
the farmers were loving their shit so much, but probably because they didn't have anything else to burn. So the um, what they do is that uh, um, during the winter time they will have the sheep in their uh, in their houses. Uh, the sheep will take some hay and eat it, and some of it will definitely go on the floor. They will shit on it, they will pee on it, and they will walk on it. Press it the whole winter. So in the end of the winter, uh, when uh, it starts getting a little bit warmer outside, the farmers will um, um, let the sheep go out, and they will actually go up to the mountains and live there pretty much freely and wild the whole summer. The farmer can then go and um, cut his... Uh, his shit into layers, take it outside and dry it for several months, and then they have to carefully choose the the right the right shit. So it has because it's, if it's uh, too dry, it will go up in flames. It won't do you any good. Uh, if it's too wet, it won't burn obviously. So they find the um, they find the one that has the the right amount of uh, humidity. Uh, put that on fire and use that to smoke with. And they smoke it in like those old houses usually, which are uh, made with really, really thick walls, usually made with like lava stones and mud. And those houses are made so with those really, really big walls or thick walls, so um, to uh, like keep the temperature similar in the houses. And they usually dig it down quite a lot. And um, and they use this, uh, yeah, this shit to uh, smoke with. And and as I said before, it's like probably not because they really wanted to do this, but probably because there were no trees in Iceland, yeah. so to speak, or at least not many. You, you tell me you weren't going to curse because your mother was going to be listening. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be furious. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually going to take a quick break and talk about more shit from Iceland when we return. You will listen <laughs> to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Gunnar Carl. I will get your last name after <laughs> listening to this episode over and over. But if, if you didn't paint a picture of what we were just talking about, um, you know, all that shit, yeah. you will with Rug Broad. Uh, it, it is a dense rye bread known as geyser bread. 
but it, where it's actually baked is almost as fascinating as the bread itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not so sure that um, I'm not so sure that there's something special about the recipe. I mean, you could probably have that recipe pretty rare, pretty um, pretty much everywhere, pretty much everywhere. Sorry, uh, but it's like it's probably more the way that they bake it. So it's um, it's usually it's um, it's made um, close to the to the geishas. Or at least like um, a really hot, uh, hot area where you have this uh, hot ground, and they literally they just dig a little hole, um, they take their uh, bread, uh, put it in some kind of, like the traditional way, like most of people do it, they actually use um, uh, used uh, milk cartons, uh, put their uh, bread dough in there and, and close it, and then they just throw them down in those holes and and bake it there. So um, the heat from the ground is enough to bake to bake the bread. And I, I love during the winter, you can sometimes find people standing on top of those ovens oh, yeah. <laughs> just to heat themselves <laughs> up. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's it's um, especially like um, uh, this place where we visit in the for the book. It's it's actually really close to Lake Muat as well, close to Gilvi, uh, our smoker. And um, they have like this area where it's like it's really, really um, a lot of lot of um, good heat from the ground, and so it's like each family more or less in the willets they have their own like pots there, so they uh, they actually dig hole and, um, and make it nice, and then they have like those heavy iron lids to put on the top, so they can. Um, you know, reuse their oven again and again and again. And um, with the time, it will probably go cold sometime. So then they just have to move it a little bit and, and make a new one. So it's um, it's uh, it's usually, I believe it's like, at least in those holes that they have there, it's usually baked for 24 hours. See, you seemingly are a very modest person because in this book you talk about Gundi, you know, you're, you're bread baker. But what um, you don't talk about, you know, in person as much as how you modernize those things. Uh, you make rye beer chips with chive skir, uh, pickled herring ice cream uh, with, with well, herring ice cream with pickled shallots and yeah, exactly. rye, bread, uh, and rye bread crumble. So you're, you're taking these traditions and showing a new light to them, you know, illuminating how they can be used rather than this way that has always been seen in Iceland. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Um... It's it's just something that I really wanted to, um, to do, and it's it's it wasn't it wasn't really hard, so to speak. It's um, it was a little bit harder to find those people and convince them that um, that their products should um, be at a fine dining restaurant because uh, they didn't really they didn't really think so. I guess they were. We had I had to some of the people. I actually just I had to convince them that. Uh, this was something that could be on 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 other tables than just theirs. Yeah. Because um, some of those people, they were just um, they were just making it for themselves or maybe their families. Who was who was the hardest to convince? <laughs> well, I think um, I think um, uh, Finpoy, who uh, makes my uh, dried fish. Uh, I mean, he wasn't hard to convince to sell me the fish. That was no problem. But um, but he never pictured uh, used the way that I'm using it. I mean, 
like I said, like in Iceland, it's the tradition would be to like just rip that dried fish from the skin and eat it with butter, and that's it. And pretty much nowhere you will see it done somehow else. So that was he wasn't really believing that, and uh, and and he just literally when uh, when I when I say it, uh, goodbye to him last time I was in in the West, I think he just laughed at me, but. <laughs> But here I am, and I'm, I'm still using his fist, and there's like, I mean, I just used his fist at uh, Starships yesterday, yeah. and uh, Roots a couple of days before that, and etc. So it's like, it's been it's been around. It's, it's making its way globally yeah. now. Yeah. Harkal. I mean, that, that is a very specific Icelandic ingredient. Tell me what it is, and how you use it in the restaurant, and how other people perceive it. <clears throat> I don't use it at all. I find it I find it almost disgusting. <laughs> But it's um, but it's definitely I've been I've been thinking about ways um, uh, like what on earth I could do with it because I, I don't think I don't think like my generation uh, and definitely not like my children are eating it. It's, so it's, it's literally rotten fermented shark, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and it's it's it smells it smells like. Nothing else. It smells like it's going out of fashion, it's, which is probably did. But, um, but then again, it's like um, if you actually then just eat it, uh, it doesn't taste as bad as it smells like. So for me, and, and a lot of people actually, especially people that are very much into really really strong cheese, they love this. Or at least... So, I thought so you were into say. strong cheese. I was reading this <laughs> recipe that you do with uh, large mushrooms uh, and the isbui cheese. And that's, that's a pretty funky cheese. Yeah, but yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, it's nothing like that, believe me. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is just like ammoniac in your face. Yeah. Um, but um, but I would, I've been wondering, because especially because after I met all those people talking about... Um, Talking about that, it's it reminds them on cheese. Then I've been like th- trying to get like new ideas, like what I could actually use it for. And I mean, yeah, I have some, I have some good ones. And it's and it's a lot of fun, like uh, when you go for trips like this, and you will meet a people because, I mean, I, I this was just like a random guy, pretty much that I met at um, at uh, this uh, root uh, conference in Ohio, and he was talking about this. And I go okay. I, now I have some new things that I have to drive when I come home. And uh, I mean, you 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 go uh, travel a little bit and you come um, with your head full of ideas. Yeah, you become a collector. Oh yeah. And speaking of collecting, the first thing I'm doing when I'm coming home is uh, to uh, make fissos. It's like yeah, <laughs> I, have, I yeah yeah I have I've been thinking about fissos a lot now. Well, you got plenty of hard roller throw into that fish sauce yeah i was more thinking dried fish (laughs) (laughs) so keep it out of my restaurant out of my house but speaking of collecting ideas um another kind of collector which you know i i wouldn't think of as as a a culinary person is your seabird collector uh, seabird egg collector uh, on grimsey island you know um growing up in the states i don't know it, it seemed like it was a common thing that there was always like save the puffin campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, as, as gorgeous a bird as they are, I mean, their eggs are even over the top. Oh yeah, they are really good. They are really good. Uh, we we actually don't collect them anymore because um, they are they are kind of protected more or less. 
so we, we don't take the racks and we, we definitely don't take the birds. Uh, <clears throat> but we go for other uh, seabird eggs. And um, this dear, dear friend of mine, uh, Siki Hennings, uh, lives in Grimse, which is uh, the northest part of Iceland. It's uh, it's a very remote island, very much north of Iceland. It's um, I think it's like seventy five people living there, and uh, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, one of my favorite places in on earth, I guess. And uh, and everybody there just being so uh, friendly and helpful and, and ready ready to do pretty much everything for you. And this friend of mine, Siki, uh, he collects my um, the eggs that I use at the restaurant. Uh, most of the eggs probably being from Seagull. Uh, absolutely delicious. And then, But the hardest part is that he actually has to go down the cliffs to collect them. And it's uh, they're not doing it on any like modern way. They, they literally have rope which they attach to a tractor. And then they just back it from the cliff, and then they go. Um, then they go drive again when they have to get him up. Yeah, I mean it's quite a treasure finding these things too, because oh, yeah. th- they're these blue, royal blue, azure oh, yeah. speckled things. How do you the take that thing. and make it beautiful on a dish? Make it some something other than just a plain old egg. <laughs> That's actually what I do. It's you will literally just get cooked egg. When I have those eggs, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't do anything with them. I don't, I just don't think it's um, whatever I would do would wouldn't do them justice. So I'm simply, usually I serve them as um, snacks in the beginning of uh, the the meal, and you usually just get like a slice of that cooked egg with some uh, nice salt on the top. Maybe we make some um, some good herb cream or something and some herbs, but that's it. We don't. Re- I don't really. I don't really think that um, I would help the egg if I would be doing something else with it, because th- it's just that unique. It's uh, so compact and full of flavors. So um, we serve it as it is. I feel like a lot of your dishes. You're again being too modest, <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of the dishes you change in a very um, caring and thoughtful way. You have a wonderful, you know, sheep farmer, and you make a smoked lamb with skier and nutmeg. I mean, it seems extremely simple, and smoked lamb is a thing that's been happening in Iceland for years. is very common, oh, yeah. but what makes yours a little bit different? Well, I mean, I would probably give the whole credit to Gilwe because he smokes it for me. Um, and he, he actually, he raised the lamb, and uh, maybe what's, what's really interesting about that lamb is that... Um, it actually during the winter time no so during the summer time he tried to use his time as much as he can uh, to smoke fish and he smokes uh, mostly um, arctic jar and he smokes them with bone and head and etc uh, after smoking he will take the head off and you know fill the fish and etc all the leftovers goes into barrels which are then kept outside until the winter time and the lambs are actually eating those smoked fish during the winter time, and 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 then then after they come home from um, the mountains in the summertime, uh, they get they get killed and um, they will be smoked with their own shit. Yeah, and I mean so so it's like a, it's this beautiful circle of things there, 
and it tastes it tastes like nothing else. You can't, you can't like steal one of those smoke barrels, make fish sauce or smoke sauce out of that. There you, you know? go. You there don't want to. I don't want to break the circle of life that you got going on there. But maybe just one barrel just yeah, to see yeah, what's yeah. going on. There you go. But again, That's a new idea. yeah. But again, you know what what you do is obviously exalt these ingredients of Iceland to to a different level, uh, telling the story of the purveyor, but also telling the story of what you've gone you know gone through as a chef. You you've seen fine dining. You've seen you know uh, the Nordic community you know have many great ingredients and do many great things to it. But less is more if you find the right pathways for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I I definitely think so. We um. I really try um, at the restaurant just to um, just to um, use those good I- ingredients that I can get, and I, I I don't want to what do you call it? Um, I don't want to manipulate. M- yeah, exactly. I don't want to manipulate them too much. I want I want them to be as they are, and I want the guests to uh, mm-hmm. to actually experiment experience uh, the flavors of those ingredients instead of. Uh, experimenting or or uh, to get the experiment of um, of what I am doing as a chef or with techniques or this or that so I, I just want them to be pretty much as they are I mean of course we do a lot of we do a lot of things and we do this and that but it's those main ingredients they really want I really want them to be as they are I mean I love that you use butter as a simple carrier for your dulse harvester so just a simple seaweed butter you know yeah. is 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 shows such respect you know to that ingredient but even more so you you have a person that collects salt for you yeah well um <clears throat> yeah we 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 have um two salt companies now in Iceland making like really high quality salt um i i use uh, sold from uh, the both of them. Uh, we have like um, we have a chapter about uh, Saltwerk in our um, our book. It's it's um, it was the first sold company in Iceland for years. A uh, couple of guys living in Denmark that uh, actually found out that um, that back in the days there was there was a sold company in in Iceland making salt for the Danish king actually. So they started um, looking better into it, like how they were making it and what they were doing. And um, and they ended up opening up their own salt company, and it's it's so. When you think about it, it's kind of strange that we haven't always been like a big producer of salt because they simply pump seawater up from the sea and dehydrate it um, over the heat of the ground. I mean, it's maybe not as simple <laughs> as a as said, yeah. but but it's it's pretty much that. I, I mean, mean I, we make our own salt at the restaurant. I mean, I go and uh, collect uh, seawater at a special secret place that I have, and um, we make our own salt that we serve with our bread. Well, I feel like it's such you know perfect grounds for you have all those geothermal outdoor pools. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you can just have people you know take a dip and bring salt back to the <laughs> restaurant too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm just glad to know that Iceland isn't all just reindeer. No, there are not even so um, so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but um, I believe we have more sheep than we have people. So there you go. Yeah, well, I'm sure if someone visits Iceland, they can find you amongst the sheep. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Stop by Dale Restaurant and and see everything that's happening, you know, in Reykjavik and and the new Nordic community as a whole. This book North is wonderful. Go out and get it today. Yeah. I, I, 
I, I'm just over the moon that you're here with us today. So thank you again, Gunnar. The pleasure was all mine. Excellent. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan, Derek Hill. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.